0: Welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio, the one program that brings you all the latest methods and technologies for driving growth and increasing demand. With the voice of Demand Gen, David Lewis. All right, welcome once again to another episode of Demand Gen Radio. I hope everybody had a nice weekend. And I say that because it's Monday morning, it's Martin Luther King when we're recording this, and... Uh, I just, I just have to disclose that I am freezing cold because I am here in our building, and it, and it must be that the building thinks it's a holiday because even though the lights are on, for some reason the HVAC system is off. So I just took off my Patagonia, and uh, if you hear any teeth chattering during this episode, you'll know what it is. But hey, I'm going to jump right in because you know I listen to podcasts too, and if there's one thing that drives me crazy on a lot of podcasts, they spend the first four minutes on commercials and sponsors and and all that kind of stuff. I like to jump right into it. So let's do it. I am joined today by Gaia Connery. Gaia is part of the DemandGen team. She is on our consulting team, and she leads our data services. And we did an episode, well, I should say I did an episode, DemandGen did an episode with Naomi Liu from EFI. A lot of you have listened to that episode. I strongly encourage you to do so. It was mainly about doing a massive migration for a global company from one marketing automation system to another But we did talk about data, and Naomi's actually, uh, EFI is a client of ours for our data service. And so we felt, since there was so much interest in that episode and so much follow-up by so many of you, let's do an episode just about data. And there is no one else better to join me than Gaia. So Gaia, welcome to Demand Gen Radio. This is our first podcast together.
1: Yes, it is. Thank you. And I'm excited to be here.
0: I am very excited to have you. I'm so excited. My teeth are chattering. Uh, <laughs> it is so cold, crazy. But I did take off my Patagonia jacket because there was just too much ruffle noise. And by the way, this podcast is not sponsored by Patagonia, but I love that jacket. I just, it's my favorite. <laughs> there we go. All right. Hey, I want to ask you a question to kick things off. I really want yes. to get to a place where we kind of suggest maybe this seven, five, whatever number of steps, to go through and get your data clean and pristine. But the question that I want to ask you, because you deal with so many of our clients, why don't people deal with data? It seems so obvious to me that, mm-hmm. especially in today's day and age, we need to be more responsible for our data and need to enable our data to help us with so many programs. And yet it's one thing that our services team you know, will need to bring you on calls with clients and kind of help them along the process. And I'm just wondering why you think it's not a, more, a higher priority than what it is.
1: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a really interesting question. Data drives everything that we do as marketing people. I mean, everybody I talk to aspires to be part of a data-driven organization. And, and yet, it, it seems like kind of an afterthought. I, you know, my thoughts around this is you know, data is just not always all that sexy. I'll admit it. I love working with it, and it is really a key part. I mean, there is always a list. Somewhere in what you're trying to do, there's, there's a list. But it's often got pretty low visibility. Uh, it's, it's not something, the data that, that we're looking at every day. It's not as fun to look at as, say, a new email or a new direct mail piece or a new web page. So it, it, it's something often that we come back to after we've spent a lot of time in the creative process, the production process. It's not something typically marketers are monitoring. Uh, it's not something we see a lot of reporting on like we do for campaign metrics or funnel conversion rates. Um, it it's And it's hard. I mean, a lot of marketers struggle with this. We've got data now in so many places. Yeah. And it's it's not always unified, and uh, it it's it's hard to bring it all together into a comprehensive place if you if you don't have something governing that, and that you're monitoring it.
0: it it's it's unclear to me. I mean, it's clearly becoming a higher and higher priority, and technology yeah. has evolved to make the job um, I want to say easier uh, because back when I ran marketing and we would deal with our data we we kind of dealt with it in two ways and uh, the second one you're certainly familiar with the first was we used to send our database out like we used to hire an agency uh, and send the data file out to get deduped to get normalized all these different uh, aspects of cleansing our data didn't actually happen in our systems it was sent by file and then we loaded it back in and i always felt like by the time it comes back in a month uh and we go through that whole process it's already decayed again and it certainly is the second way we tackled it was uh we used to build uh like data washing programs in our marketing automation system to do some of those functions and while that worked Certainly not ideal these days. A because right, marketing automation isn't really designed to be a data management or data orchestration tool. Um, but uh, some of the systems, you know, depending on your database, it can really task the system and bring the overall performance of the marketing automation system down if you're running, you know, massive batches of of data programs. Yeah. So you're finding there's a lot more interest, certainly in the in the data MD service that we rolled out. Maybe we'll get to well, we'll definitely get to that later on. But since we spotted this opportunity to say, hey, let's let's take the pain out of the process and let's deliver more value. I think Guy, if I was to guess, I think a couple of things. Maybe people don't departments don't have someone really responsible for data, at least in their day job. And and so therefore who's gonna take that task on and do they know how to do it? Right? If they don't yeah. have a marketing operations department, any other, any other reasons you can think of like, why? Cause to me, it seems like this should be part of, it's like kind of like table stakes. You, you should have data management as part of your always on initiatives and not something that you do once a year, one, once a quarter. I know you feel the same yeah.
1: way. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, it used to be when you think about who owns the data in the organization, it used to be typically, well, IT owns it. They own the systems, they own the data. And I think that's shifted, right? Now we see marketing's budget for technology is equal or greater than IT's. Right? So there's a, there's a lot more ownership of technology and hence the data within the marketing organization. And you're absolutely right. We use the tools that we had to try and address it, right? We, we had a, a toolkit with our marketing automation platforms and, you know, we tried to do what we could, but as they say, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. So we took it as far as we could. But then, you know, now there's a lot of new technology out there, too. There are a lot of analytics and BI tools, and they're a lot more powerful. They have capabilities far beyond those data washing machines. And I, I hear a lot where you talk about, well, the data now is democratized. It, the, the business owners of the data should be the ones that are managing it. But simply pushing out those tool sets and the ownership and, honestly, the bill for those tools doesn't necessarily mean one becomes a data expert. I think, historically, marketing really hasn't had a skill set here. I mean, we generally, at some time or another in our careers, have had to clean a list. Yeah. That's kind of where I started. Yeah. Um, you're doing it in Excel and you're doing a little bit of scrubbing and normalization here and there. Maybe you stumble on a couple duplicates. But now there are far better tools. but you're again, you're automating something and you've got a lot of power. But if you don't have the the training or the understanding or a definition of what that data should look like, you're still stumbling around a little bit. So, yes, it's great that data is democratized, but what I think we're still missing a little bit is the guiding principles or, say, the, the constitution, if you will. Um, a, a lot of organizations, they've opened that up, but they they haven't spent the time as an organization or even within a department to really define what what is good, clean data look like. So we're all doing the best that we can. Yeah. Um, but we're operating in many cases in silos, and that's just not fixing the problem.
0: What happens, as I was saying, a lot of our clients reach out and say, "Hey, I've got an issue with the data." Yeah. What What happened that all of a sudden becomes some level of urgency for them? And I'm asking that question because, I mean, there there seems to be two ways to approach data. One is to be data driven, like you say, but but back up those words with action and do something about the data. Another is that you. Some initiative or something's happening and now you're now you're reaching out and saying, hey, we gotta we gotta address our data. But what what are those triggers?
1: So usually it's when there's a problem, unfortunately. Right? You you spent a lot of time putting together a campaign brief and you've got a really nice segment that you're trying to target. And you go in to write those rules for that segment in your marketing automation platform and you get back five contacts. So what happened? Um, Or you set up a lead scoring model and you've got agreement between marketing and sales and everybody says, yes, these are the right criteria. And then you go look at the data and you're missing key pieces of information for the scoring model on 20% of your, your database. Um, you will also run into other situations where leads don't get assigned to the right rep. Right, you're missing data about where in the world this individual is, or which organization they're associated with from a, a parent-child relationship. So leads drop into a black hole. Um, you know, you you get bad uh, back bad conversion metrics. This is when I see a lot. Um, we have a list. It looks like we've got a lot of volume and as marketers we like a lot of volume. Mm-hmm. But there's just a bunch of bad data in there that pretty much is guaranteed we were never going to reach our target audience in the first place. And so we we get a decent numerator but that denominator and that conversion rate already started out in a bad p- place and it just looks like our, our campaign didn't do that well. Yeah. So it's you know, it's kind of a horrible analogy, but and I didn't come up with it, somebody else did. It's like the, the intersection where you have all of these almost accidents in your mm-hmm. neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the neighborhood is like, Oh my gosh, oh my gosh, we need something here, a stop sign, a light, something. And finally somebody does get injured, and that's when they put the stop sign in.
0: So that, that is unfortunate. Let's not wait till we two, get to two. that point. Yeah. <laughs> That that is right outside our our community, by the way, because we have a school right across the street. And um, it was one of those things where, sure enough, you know, you almost have to wait for something bad to happen to do something about it. And and they actually changed the entire intersection, moved the crosswalk, put yeah. better lighting systems in, and and that type of stuff. Fortunately, no one was was seriously hurt or killed. But that's what it took, like you said. So I think the the call to action is don't wait. But let's let's talk about then what's involved because I love prescriptive podcasts and I love prescriptive content and there is no one better than you uh, to give that kind of prescription. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, I mentioned she's part of our team. Gaia has been with us for about five years, and she uh, even prior to that she was at Mason Zimbler another agency, and she was at Eliqua back when Eliqua was Eloqua before Oracle, and she was part of the team there, and just phenomenal reputation for the work that she did with clients, and so we were very honored to have her join our team, and it's been a game changer, uh, and so many clients who work with her just really love the work that she and Rick and the others do when it comes to data, because, Guy, you, you lift that stress and load off of their plate. You They don't have to worry about... Um, how to do this stuff and even what to do. You guys take care of it. So let, let's try to map it out into an organization. Yeah. I mean, it seems like you always always prefer to start with a data audit and this isn't one of those yes. projects, right, that takes forever and costs, costs a bunch of money but why is that the best place to, to start? Actually, I should back up. I kind of first discovered the need for looking at specific fields when we were doing a lot, and still do, in lead scoring and operationalizing the demand funnel, right? So if we wanted to create a lead status field or a contact status field, we had to identify and normalize everything in the database. And in lead scoring, uh, when you 've got fields that you 're using for scoring values, they have to literally be correct right you, uh, They need to be exclusive of certain field values and and be correct so those are what certainly drove drove a lot of data initiatives back. but now with ABM and all that persona and and the more data we can capture, the more powerful our data is so there 's a lot more that we can do and and I encourage you to cover some of those things but Back on the data audit, why, why is that the best place to start? It seems like maybe for some, like, oh, why? Do I have to take a step back to take a step forward? Why do I need to look at yep. my data? I know I have a problem.
1: And, and that's just it. Most of our clients come to us with a statement, something like, I I, I know generally my database is not in good health, but they can't really quantify that, right? Mm-hmm. They've run into a lot of these issues, these major pain points that we talked about, but it's pretty ad hoc, like I said, they're, they haven't really taken the time to, to really monitor what's going on in their database on any kind of cadence. And so the first thing we, we encourage with the data audit is let's do a benchmark. And let's actually take a look at what's going on in your database and get some data on your data. So with the data audit, we are looking at core Objects within both the CRM and the MA platform, because almost always those are, are integrally related. Yeah. And we, we approach a data audit from the, the common use cases for marketing and sales that we know because, as you described, thank you um, for your complimentary words there. Uh, I've I've been in this space for a while, and I understand how marketers and sales typically use their data. What are the primary use cases, segmentation, lead scoring, routing, um, more prevalent now, privacy and preference settings? Uh, So we're approaching looking at all that data to see how successful you as an organization can potentially be against these types of initiatives. So we're looking at key profile data, both at the account level, the contact level. We're looking to see what you have as criteria in your scoring model against what is actually going on in your database. Uh, We're looking at a number of different aspects to really give you some key insight into what is going on in your database and highlight where we see the biggest pain points. So if we see, okay, this is what you're in your lead scoring model, but maybe only a third of your your, uh, leads actually have values in all of these criteria that match match your acceptable values, right? And we're hearing from you because we go through a discovery period to kind of get an understanding of the client's business and what their key objectives are, um, that your reps are talking about the poor quality of the leads they're getting, yeah, and it's not because your model's wrong; it's because your data is poor. Mm-hmm. So, with a data audit, we can really hone in on what are those priority priority data initiatives that we need to address.
0: Yep. I've seen you uh, kind of draw a map on the board and and slides when you're doing this remote uh, that uh, you say, you know, there's really like four areas. You're, you map out cleanse. So let's cleanse your data and get all the values that should be. There in place. Uh, let's get rid of the the bogus records and the and the Mickey Mouse and and uh, dedupe. You then list prevention. So let's let's get it clean with cleanse. But then prevention. You talk about how to keep it clean, and then you talk about uh, routing and uh, enrichment. And mm-hmm. so you have these kind of like four areas. Not necessarily just those four, but those are four common areas routing is right getting the leads to the right people the right way a lot of people do that in salesforce there's other ways to do that more flexible ways and then uh, i mentioned enrichment which you talk about enrichment as let's fill the gaps so if there's if there's if you're doing account based marketing and you need to ingest more context at those accounts that's considered enrichment but also getting values that you didn't get so if there's clients of ours that are doing scoring and let's say for example as you've shared um you're scoring on company size or industry, and and those values are missing, uh, but yet they have a, a relationship with a data provider or one that we introduce them to will enrich those those missing fields of data. So, cleanse, prevention, and routing and enrichment and the cleanse side. When you do going back to the data audit, what what is involved? I mean, what 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 are the steps? I think it would be good to share. Um, how long does it take? And and even if you know ballpark just the cost, because I think people, you know, sometimes when they approach an audit, they think like that's a step backwards. But as you said, it's it's needed to provide the foundation to be successful.
1: Yeah. So with cleanse, cleanse, we're really focusing on let's clean up what you already have in your database. So we're looking at things that uh, are like uh, need to be normalized. So if you've got uh, values in your database, I see this a lot, country and state uh, that are a mix of fully written out names and two letter abbreviations. And if your rules for whatever you're trying to accomplish with other automation capabilities are only looking for one of those formats, you're going to miss out on the rest of that list that has the, the other format. So rather than writing rules in your programs to accommodate all your dirty data, let's automate cleaning the data. Mm -hmm. So we are going to come up with those rules for normalizing the existing data, get everything into one format. Um, Normalization can tackle really key profile piece of information, phone numbers, email addresses. We can go and look for uh, email address values that don't fit a correct email address. We, as you were saying, also can go into thinking about validating the data. So enriching it, making sure that that's a real email address. Uh, so that's, that's tackling cleanse. And then we get into deduplication.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: a lot of our clients have a lot of duplicates. Um, this is not really a surprise. Um, unfortunately, our CRM tools kind of uh, cause this to happen almost by virtue of the fact that you have both a leads table and a contacts table. Right. And we often see the same individual in both of those. Uh, most CRMs, for every engagement, they expect you to create a new lead record.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we get lots of duplicate leads. So we're, we're often finding quite a volume of duplicates, but not just at the individual level, also at the account level. Um, many organizations have been through an acquisition on one side of that or the other. So they're merging data sets and they're bringing in two account lists. And likely, those two companies that came together have a similar target market, so they probably have the same accounts in both of those databases. So we're doing a lot of account deduplication as well. When we go through those deduplication exercises, we're working with the client to set in place rules for what constitutes a duplicate, right? What are those match rules? Mm We're also looking for uh, what, what are the exceptions. So, for example, you might have uh, one account that is a customer and it's attached to your ERP system with a unique ID. Uh, that, account, uh, that account can't go away. There's a connection there that we can't lose when we merge records. So once we've decided which, one, which record wins, then we have to decide which pieces of data under there also win so are we keeping values from the master record or are we keeping values from one of the other non-surviving records so there's a lot of decisions that go into deduplication and for many of our clients these are not things they've spent a lot of time thinking about in the past right. so there's a fair bit of education that goes on during this process too
0: i love the way that you guys approach it though and i remember um I think it was you and Devin uh, taking me through some of the tools that you guys have created for clients to to make all this obvious. So you you mentioned um, sometimes you want to have a parent child account. You don't want to smash it into one account record. Yep. You want that, and it, this is pretty hard to do on a podcast. But you know, visually, what I saw is when you guys setting up these tasks that w- that's what you yep. call them in the software systems that we have. It will produce an output report that shows you like um, uh, IBM, IBM Inc and different versions of IBM in a in a list in the stack group together presenting like, hey, right now we're seeing these records as let's call it duplicate counts and then, you, you set up tasks to smash those together if you want mm-hmm. to do that. Uh, I don't know if that's the right technical term, but that's, yeah. you know... It, it, there's it's, no
1: explosions. Yeah, sadly. there's no explosion. But,
0: <laughs> but the, it, the output is either they now become one account with the data merged that is the most relevant data for the parent account, um, right. or they stay as, as separate accounts. And you do that flow for the leads, contacts, and accounts. And it's really cool the way that those reports show... Because, as you go through this bit of an iterative process, at the end of the day, once that stuff is done, it's not like uh, back in the old days when you would clean data, dedupe data, and then the next day it's just getting bad again. Those those t- right. workflow tasks, those systems you put in place, they're in place. And so, if that you know a duplicate account record is created for some reason again, it will get um, the word I use, smashed. It'll get smashed back into the the parent account if that's what the desired workflow is. You Either keep it separate, yeah. or or you you don't. What's amazing to me, like I, um, I actually asked you, um, ballpark, what does a data audit cost typically when when we do that for a client? Because I want to make a point about it.
1: Yes. So a data audit, which covers both your CRM and your marketing automation platform, is sixty five hundred dollars. It's it's a very low entry point. It just gives you a wealth of information though about what is going on in your database.
0: And I and I wanted you to share that because to me when I hear it like taking me back to my role in marketing leadership, I would do that every year or every time it's needed because if if I don't have a data audit and I don't look at my like number of deeps and decayed records, I'm paying Way more than that, like tens of thousands, if not a hundred thousand dollars. Not only in all the programs that are inefficient, but just in my license alone for my marketing automation system. Right? If if there was one client we had, ninety percent of their data was junk, and and I don't think they're uncommon. But in their case, they had had marketing automation for ten years and just used it like you know a dumping bin for every record they had ever gotten so it just while they clean up salesforce a bit they just had this and so they have like a million records in their marketing automation system when they really only should be paying for like a hundred thousand or two hundred thousand records so i mean for very very little cost you guys come back and say here's a full report of what we found now what do you want to do do you want to cleanse it and and get it go so where do you start when when someone's identified that they've got cleanse issues uh What's the process that we're um, doing for clients to move from that? Okay, here y- your database looks like an episode of Hoarders, and now we're <laughs> going to get it get it clean.
1: Yeah, and I think that's a really important point because uh, we we do run into that a lot—the data hoarder persona. Um, you know, we we hate throwing things away, even though we know they're useless, and there is cost there. I mean, storage costs money. Yeah, but again, it's noise. It and in fact. Uh, Data retention policies, just to go off topic a little bit here real quick, this is something we're going to have to start thinking about, too, as marketers. Uh, With the GDPR, there are actually fines that can be incurred if you store data and you don't process it because it contradicts the reason why you told that individual you were collecting their data. Mm
0: -hmm. And, And
1: there are organizations that actually have been fined already for this. So it, costs come in at you from all different directions with bad data. It's not just that you're paying to store it, but now you could be paying fines to store it. So there, there, there's a lot of ROI here. But to go back to your question on what's that process, how do we start to work with clients? Uh, so we do have a, a managed service. And it, to go back to what you're saying, too, it's not one and done. Saying that your database is clean, that is only accurate for the time it takes you to say that statement Mm -hmm. because it starts to degrade immediately. And this has to be something that you do pay attention to. So we start to work with a client. Um, we, We love doing those data audits because they really inform us on where we should start. And once we kind of get working with the client, what those priority areas are, if it's an immediate need for account deduplication or for enrichment or some kind of normalization, um, that's where we tackle first. We want to get some quick wins. We have that initial data audit as a benchmark so we can show improvement. Here's what the data looked like before. Here's what the data looked like after. As we're getting those quick wins, though, we're thinking a little bit longer term, and we are working with the client to define those tasks, right? As new data is coming into the system, what are the things that we need to do on an ongoing basis? Is it weekly? Is it monthly? Is it quarterly? Putting together those business rules. So we capture all of those decisions in a workbook, and that's what we demand, Jen, actually go in and configure and then we come back with the results from those decisions and we look at that data that you were just describing. Okay, based on the rules that we said met, uh, meet your objectives, here are the results that came back. These set of records is considered duplicates. Is this accurate? So there is some iteration there. We're not changing any data at that point, though. We're still going through the process of making sure that we have the right rules. So this is governance, this is data governance. And once we have agreement, alignment, then we move into production and we do start changing data. We're also starting to work with a client that thinking a little bit bigger picture. Mm-hmm. Um, what is your system of record? What is for a particular piece of data there, the field of record? Right? The data audit also can surface. Um, you know, I've seen examples where on the account record, there are ten, fifteen different fields related to industry because they're coming from all different sources, right. and yeah. it's just not clear which is the master. Right?
0: Which one do we trust? What What is the yep. best field that properly identifies the industry? Yeah. Especially if we're doing any kind of scoring or segmentation, you, you can't have that in multiple fields. Other thing I know that you find when we've looked at these reports is like there's companies. Um, back to kind of like the episode of Hoarders, they've added fields in leads and contacts and accounts and even opportunity objects. And if somebody at some point wanted that field and it's somewhere there. But when we do the data audit, you guys produce like the completion rate. So if there's a particular field, only like 1% or 2%, for example, of, of all of your records have a value in this field. And it really illuminates just how much crap is in the systems in terms yes. of what maybe made sense <laughs> at that point. But you should just get rid of this field, and that causes all kinds of problems, right? When people are using like enrichment tools on their forms and they have this new enrichment uh, you know forms tool that behind the scenes appends records and sticks it in a it sticks industry in a value and then carries it across from the marketing automation to the CRM, you see all the yeah. time like you've got way too many of these quote industry fields or size fields, and you're enriching and and you have like five fields serving the same purpose and really n- none of them are well mapped or well integrated. And so people wonder yeah. why their scoring system is off or their targeting system is off because they just have too many fields with the same name and and maybe none of them or very little of them have even more than like a 5% completion uh, yes. rate. Yeah, or they're amazing. super
1: old data. That's something else that we surface in the data audit is you know, what what is the recency of this data? So, and often the client that, that we're working with, they only know one or two of those fields, why they're there, who who populates them, who owns them. They're often a handful of fields. They're like, I've, I've never seen that before. I have no idea where that comes from. So getting on the same page about which is the right field to be storing this data, and then if those other fields are actively being populated, prioritizing, right? Okay, if we have a value from source A, that one always wins if we have a value from source B, then we look at this other piece of information, maybe how recent that one was. And that way we can decide what rolls up to that one master field, but we can also take the the data that we get from these other sources, which is usually not in the same format, and we can standardize it to a list of acceptable values. So when someone is trying to go into a system where they see all these fields, right, they might grab the wrong one, or they're floundering, trying to figure out which one they should use. It's mm-hmm. just, there's wasted time there, potential for errors. Um, just something like that can have so many ramifications on how effective your initiatives are going to be using that data. So we really want to get down to what, what is the right data, what are the acceptable values, what's the master, the master field, the master system where we've got data coming in from all different entry points, integrations, third-party sources, starting to put together that those guiding principles that I was mentioning before, um, and also thinking about who, who owns this data. Mm-hmm. And really, ultimately, yes, it's the individual whose data it is that owns it, but within our organization, who, who is accountable For this data. For the values
0: in that field.
1: Yep. Who is the custodian of this data? So making sure that there's ownership is is pretty key too.
0: And I've seen the tools you guys create, your data dictionary document. By the way, there's no one on the planet better, at least that I can say, and I worked at Microsoft, that can work magic with Excel than than Gaia. we we call it guyifying when she takes documents and she turns it into these amazing, amazing reports and dashboards in Excel. And you'd think you're looking at the most powerful BI tool in the world, but no, it's just Excel and it's been guyified. Yes. Um, well, we'll
1: Excel. Yeah.
0: You, you, are you should, you should write some definitely posts and, how to tips on that? We'll we'll come back to that. Uh, your data dictionary. So the data dictionary I've seen, you do have a like left column is all the various fields, what system they are in, and there may be check boxes for multiple. This exists in MA, it exists in Salesforce, it's on the lead record, contact record, and like you said, who owns that field so that there's the primary steward of like, okay, they they're responsible for the value that gets entered into this field. And it, it can be shared, but it 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 typically is, is more driven by one department. Um yeah. than another. That data dictionary, you're a big fan of documentation. So even though many different people might have their role in an organization, especially in marketing where there's so much change, there's one data dictionary of all the fields and values um that that should be in there and why it's there and what it's what it's used in. Like this is a scoring field or this is a mm-hmm. segmentation field or multiple. Um let's talk about uh moving down to and i do want to I do want to spend some time in terms of like let's talk about this how the sausage is made because we have acquired tools for our clients to do this work. And if you guys are thinking that like we're doing this statically with Excel spreadsheets and then cleaning it up and loading it back in, no, those days are gone. We have some some of the most powerful data management tools and data orchestration tools on the planet, and we'll talk about how we have gone ahead and licensed those. To help you guys with this so that you don't have to go find them and figure them out and, and bring them in. But I want to talk about prevention because let's say now we've done a data audit and we've mapped out the data dictionary and we've cleansed all the records. We've deduped the, the leads, the contacts, and the accounts, and now we've got the data there. Well, as you know, it's it's the next day and sales comes in and they start working in Salesforce and they talk to somebody over the weekend, so they go to create a new account in Salesforce, and what would normally happen is that account would just they they wouldn't know that the account already exists, but um, we've got some some ways to address that. So maybe you could talk about how to keep data clean from a program's perspective and and just strategy.
1: Yeah, and this to me is is what's really key about some of the tools that that we are using right now is just this this vision um, a mission around prevention because if you can get that data into the system from clean from the get go you're in the best possible place that is the the most cost efficient way to keep your database clean so exactly what you're describing tools that will intake data and analyze it right there in real time against your existing data or even third party data if you want to enrich it then say oh I've got a duplicate. What do you want me to do here? Do you, do you still want to go ahead and create this duplicate? Because there may be use cases where a duplicate is legitimate. right? Or do you want to just up, update this existing record that's already in the system? So, you know, whether you're uh, uploading a list or you've got an online form submission um, or somebody is manually creating records one by one in the system, having tools that are Listening for that kind of activity and checking right then for data quality is is absolutely key to keeping a clean database because once it gets in there, especially with all of the integrations that we have with different systems, that dirty data can proliferate yeah and and sometimes finding where is tricky
0: it's it's pretty slick I mean you you guys install this I don't know if you call it a plug-in or whatever this package for salesforce so when a when a rep or someone is, is tying an SDR rep is, is typing in the name of the record. It's like, Oh, Guy Connery. Yeah. She already exists. She's right here. Do you want to go to that existing record or do you want to continue creating a, a dupe? And it's, it's, uh, it's, it surprises people if they've never experienced it before. It's like, oh, I, I did not know there was an existing record in the database. Yep. You shared with me once uh, the 110-100 rule, uh, which uh, maybe, maybe you can uh, replay it better. But as, as I took it, which is like it's 1-100th one of the cost to keep your data clean as opposed to having to go and clean it when it's already in, in bad shape. Did I recall yeah. it correctly?
1: Almost I mean, it's even actually a little bit worse than that Ooh. so <laughs> so it to to use that dirty data, failure to clean it versus validating it as it comes in, so failure is basically you do nothing, you let that bad data go into the system and it gets used. Mm-hmm. It can cost you a hundred times more than than preventing it from getting in the system in the first place,
0: uh, yeah, yeah. Well, wow. and especially like you talk yeah. about privacy, how do, you, how do you quantify the impact of privacy? I mean, how many times have we found in Salesforce, someone's got that opt-out checkbox at the lead or contact record that they check, and no one ever mapped that field to any workflows or logic back in marketing automation, and they think, oh, I just had to check this box, and then they know not to get any email from me because that's what they said on the phone, and actually that... That does not happen, uh, those, yeah. those flags. There's nothing automagic about that unless it's been set up right, and you really need to validate that that's how it's done. And that's a, that's a you know um, Boolean. You're either opted in or opted out, but most right. companies, most you know, best, best in class have preference centers where there's not just one segment or not, and really making sure that you're doing management around subscriptions is absolutely critical, or as you said, it, it could be even more expensive than 100 times.
1: Yes, it could. Yep. It's a, I mean, especially with GDPR, with the fines that can be levied through GDPR. And it, it's not even just your your subscription preferences. I mean, really, this now is starting to speak to uh, when when customers give you their data, they're trusting you to do the right thing with it, yeah. honoring their requests. And it, it really, I think elevates the 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 value of data to have this perspective.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We are trying to build a great customer experience at the end of the day. Um, you know we've all had that poor customer experience where you know you you call in somewhere and you're asked to give a piece of information, and you get transferred to the next representative or system, and you're asked to give that information again and again. Or you know, get something mailed to you that doesn't have your actual name on it. Those are all huge trust breakers. So really having clean data starts to, to, to build trust between you and your customers. And it just makes for a, a significantly improved customer experience. Because I think as we all know as marketers, once you do something to break that trust, it's really hard to yeah, regain
0: it. Very, 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 very hard. Well, let's, let's provide a few resources where people can go next. Um, the reason I say that is I got this uh, on one of the podcasts. I don't remember who I did it with, but I said, if anybody wants to see our marketing dashboard and see examples of marketing dashboard, reach out to me. And I was flooded, Gaia, with requests. That probably does not come as a surprise to you. Um, and it was really fun to have those conversations and go through it. However, it was alarming at the same point, this won't surprise you. One of the conversations went like this. So so Dave, I think we're doing a pretty good job of of campaign capturing. But for some reason, our opportunities, when they're closed, we don't have any association on where the lead source was or what campaign was it for. And we went through the painful discussion of, well, pull one of those up. And And as we dissected that, it was very much that, yeah, right. You know, this. That there was no contacts on the opportunities. So because there's no contacts on the opportunities, there was no campaigns associated to the opportunity or sources and that type of stuff. And, you know, that's that's beyond data cleansing and data prevention. That's that's in a data stewardship uh, perspective in that you you need to know how these data chains work so that you can do reporting, let alone just have a pristine uh database. So, and the other factor is I I see a lot around lead to account matching, right? Everybody mm-hmm. um is either inquiring about ABM or thinking about ABM or they want to do some level of account targeting and scoring. And if you're not doing lead to account matching, which is a data management discipline, uh then then you're missing on some of the opportunity and the value that comes from that. So, um it probably doesn't surprise you guys that when we see all of these problems, we come out with solutions for it. And I mentioned, like, we've always had a data audit—a very low-cost, uh, not very time-consuming way to say, "Okay, here's the size of the problem and what we need to do to fix it." But the other thing that Guy and I did in 2019 uh, was we launched the Data MD service. And I credit Guy for the wonderful <laughs> name. We 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 threw a bunch of different names on the wall. We got to play marketers together and. What what was my data name? You don't even want me to say it. You no, hated it I don't. so much. Okay, I can't even remember now. But I came up with some really bad brand names, and 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 guys, a lot of
1: raised eyebrows. Yes, we'll
0: there was. That. And guys, let's call it Data MD. You know, we're data doctors. We know how to do this stuff. And the service is a white glove service, uh, as much as you want it or need it to be. Meaning, like it's very concierge like. We'll come in and do an assessment of the data. We'll get it clean, and we'll keep it clean, and we use it. We do that through expertise, and we do that through technology. So we went to some of the best data tool providers out there, and we said, "Hey, look, we want to wholesale your technology. We want to have it so that we could get it clean for our clients." And um, it's been it's been very successful service, and um, the the people who have gone through it really love it. I am surprised how many people. Then, really geek out, and like once they see these tools and they're they're getting their data clean, they're like, hey, I, w- I want to help with this and and keep doing it with you guys and so I think you know we've made it much more approachable to get the data clean and keep it clean and improve that relationship and trust factor, as you said, between sales and marketing because now they're working arm in arm to to now that the data's clean, they understand how the duplicate preventions are are working and and such. Uh, so our data MD service, here's, here's some resources for you guys. So besides Gaia and I, if you're struggling with your data or you want to learn more about these topics, uh, I would suggest you go to demandgen.com. And in our resources area, right when you go in there, uh, there's a menu for topics and there's a topic of data management. And if you drill into the resources sub and select the top of data management, there is some phenomenal content that Gaia and the team have put together pieces like seven steps to a healthier database that walks you through that. Um, there's six ways to take advantage of intent data, which is uh, a very hot topic and, and something worth looking into. Uh, if you're not leveraging intent data yet, we didn't really cover that today on the podcast, but it's there. And there's a lot of great content on improving your data and and steps to, to do that. So Podcasts, things to read, things to download. There's a whole thing on subscription center best practices in the era of GDPR. So you can go to those resources. If you want to talk to us, just reach out to us always. As I did with the dashboard, we can talk to you about your data issues. Uh, We can talk to you about a data assessment in greater detail. So Gaia, thank you for joining me on the podcast and talking about the challenges of data. I'd, I'd like to let people know on these podcasts that there's there's help uh, if they want it. If they just want to learn, those resources are out there. But if they want help, just just let us know and we'll schedule a call and, and have Guy or someone on the team take you through it. But but thanks, Guy. Anything we didn't yeah. cover today that uh, we need to come back to? And by the way, since we are launching DemandGen TV in 2020, as we talked about, I'd like to show on screen some of those tools that we talked about, the, the data dictionary examples and the tool sets that use for auditing and dedupe the data. I think a picture is always worth... More than a thousand words, so we'll do some show and tell together. All right, but what anything we didn't close out or something you want to close on?
1: Um, yeah, data MD. I mean, honestly, what kind of sparked that for me, as I mentioned before, was just this preventative approach to maintaining a healthy, clean database. Right? It's you go to the doctor, uh, go to the dentist every six months, every nine months for a checkup. It's you cannot set it and forget it. No data is unfortunately, constantly degrading. But uh, I, I hope to hear from you guys, because I'd love to help you to to make sure that you're really keeping an eye on it, keeping it as healthy as it can be. So we don't have to put in any
0: stop signs. Awesome. If you guys want to reach out to Gaia directly, she is on LinkedIn, easy to find, especially with her name. I'll spell it though for you. <laughs> it's Gaia, G-A-E-A, Connery, uh, C-O-N-N-A-R-Y, Gaia Connery. Just Ping her with a message, and uh, we'll talk to you about your data, and we'll get get things going. It's interesting that two of the blog posts that I've written over the past five years, two of them have gone like off the charts. There was one about, uh, and this is I think for people listening in in a leadership role or maybe those of you that that are looking for the next role, that the rise of the data scientist um, has many different terms today. But I really think if people don't have someone in their organization responsible for data hygiene and data health uh, in marketing operations or just someone responsible for that time to think about that Uh, If you've got certainly a million records or more in your database, maybe even less than that to really make someone responsible for that, because... It, it's uh it's a fair amount of responsibility and it's critical as we talked about you don't want to get yourself in that 110 100 don't don't wait until there's a problem or worst case wait till you're fined for not taking care of your, your data but that's going to do it for this episode of the Gen Radio thank you Gaia we'll follow up and and do something on uh, on the video side of things as well so we can show and tell i hope everybody is having a good 2020 if you are going out to B2B MX I'm teaching a workshop there on the very first day. So uh, news is coming out about that. But if you're going to B2B MX in Arizona, look forward to seeing you there. We will also be at the major marketing automation conferences. So reach out and let me know. We'd love to have you guys uh, meet us. And we've got some some fun stuff planned as well. So let me know if you're going to the conferences. All right, guy, all the best to you and the team. Everybody take care.